If it's true that you are at the centre of your own universe, your work is to know who you are. Your work is to know your values and your work is to know your purpose. This is Awakened Love, the podcast, and I'm your host, Angel. This is a space where we get real, real about sex, love, and awakening. So strap in, let's go deep. What's up, beautiful awakened beings? Today we have Susie Ashworth, a seven-figure entrepreneur, a quantum transformation and embodiment coach who has the superpower to help conscious entrepreneurs experience six-figure breakthroughs so that they can expand into a life of limitless freedom and make a really positive difference in the world. I'm really, really grateful to have her here with us today, sharing all of her wisdom. Welcome, my love. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you very much for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, I'm excited to have you. So I'd love to dive right in. You are a seven-figure success coach, and I would love to hear from you. Like, what does success mean to you? I think for me, success is very much about having freedom and freedom to choose. And I think that over the years... I've increased my capacity to choose in many areas. And I think that obviously there's the financial choices, but what is really important to me and is a big part of my work is the emotional freedom. I used to be hijacked by my emotions all of the time and fearful of being hijacked. So I think that when we're able to choose our emotions more powerfully, alongside being able to choose what we desire financially, that's where we're really cooking on gas when it comes to success. Mm, I love that. That's actually really, really close to my own personal definition of success. And Mm. um, that idea of like, yeah, freedom to choose any choice in the game, Mm. both um, emotionally and and financially as well. Um, I'd love to dive into talking about money a little because I think it can be a really taboo topic even still um, which is interesting right because we live in a society that's so focused on it and yet it's still kind of taboo Um, why do you think there is such a taboo around money and talking about money I think that it is through the lens of a woman I think that money and sex when you look at both of those two topics and you look at the fears and the worries and the concerns, it's very interesting to me how much overlaps. And I think that it's it's something that we all want, but the idea of being able to ask for what it is that we desire still is shrouded in a lot of guilt, shame. Um, Who are you to want more? Inability. Mm, I've got goosebumps. Yeah, inability. For that one, who are you want more? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Inability to, many of us don't know what it is that we want because we've been told, whether that's by the media, by um, caregivers, you know, teachers, what we should desire. So there's a whole, there's just a whole kind of cauldron really, of pieces that stop us from um, being able to own the conversation. And I don't even know whether it's own it, it's be in the conversation. Mm. Mm. How do we start? How do we, where do we start? Because like I said, that just sent shivers down my Mm. spine. Who are you to want more? I think it's so deeply encoded in our systems. It's like this um, upper limit, you know, in... Um, I think a lot of us recognize the stories of not enough, not enoughness or um, a sense of worthlessness or, you know, wherever we are on the spectrum for that. But what I notice a lot of us don't recognize is exactly what you pointed on the other part. That's like, oh, we're not allowed to be too big or too much. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, how do we, how do we begin to enter the conversation, as you say, if we're feeling all that you just described or some uh, unique version of it? <laughs> I think that a part of this is just unpicking where where we begin. And so I have the conversation about worth and self-worth with my clients all of the time. And 
it doesn't start with a money conversation. It starts with a worth conversation. And when I think about my own journey of self-worth, I think one of the biggest things and almost myths that I help my clients overcome is this idea that if you if you've got a good enough coach or there's a good enough modality or you know if I just do this 30 days of tapping then I'm going to wake up one day and I'm going to feel worthy and then I'm going to be able to charge what I want to charge and ask for what it is I want and I'm like no it doesn't actually work like that you know for many many years when I was growing up I grew up feeling not good enough feeling separate and wanting like really desiring looking in all of the places to get the affirmation that I was good enough and what I realize now particularly since becoming a mother and then obviously doing this work is that you know when I look at my kids when they were born what did they need to do in order to be worthy nothing did they need to walk? Did they need to talk? <laughs> Did they need to? They didn't need to do anything. Just by being, they were worthy. And there was, particularly after I had children, this realization that I am that baby. I was born with a hundred percent. If we had to like grade ourselves on percentages, I was born a hundred percent worthy. And it's only my learned experiences that have chipped away at that knowing and so Mm. a big part of the journey is remembering remembering that you were born 100% worthy and from and, and that's a choice I'm going to choose to remember that I was born worthy and then day by day asking yourself Notice when you feel the contraction. Notice when you're feeling not good enough. Notice when you're pulling back and being willing to ask yourself, what would I choose for myself if I knew that I was worthy? What would I choose? Mm. And that question has been wildly powerful, not just once, but thousands and thousands of times. And mm. I think the other thing that feels really important to say, and I was chatting with my one of my mentors about this, is that you have your self-worth, you then have the external value that other people put on the services that you offer, the external value that you bring to the world. Those two things are separate. So even Mm. though it's your job to work out what's the value I get to bring to the world, that has nothing to do with your innate and intrinsic value that you were born with. And then next to that, you have your net worth, you know, how much money you Mm. have in the bank, what your properties are, what your material possessions are. Those three things are separate. And we have to work on those three things separately and often we're getting them all tangled up. So when my net worth isn't as big as what I desire it to be, I tell myself a story that I, as an individual, are not worthy. Mm, no. When somebody says that I don't want to pay for your service, I tell myself that I am not worthy. No, 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 no. Those three things are separate. They're separate. And I mm. think that that is really important. So doing the work on the self, doing the work on your net worth, and then doing the work on uh, providing more value in the world, those three things are all necessary, but they are all distinctly different. And I think that once we start recognizing that and detaching our sense of self from uh, the net worth and the external value people put on, it makes it a lot easier for us to start having the conversation about okay, what would I like my net worth to be, you know? Yeah, wow. That just made me realize, and I wonder what you th- what you, th- you think of this, is this kind of idea of this intergenerational wealth mm-hmm. mindset. Because if we grow up in a space where we don't have a lot of money, our family is struggling financially, then like, you know, how, how do we attach that to 
ourselves, as you're saying, and then even that third sphere of like the value that we can provide and mm. and how I thought about this a lot, how sometimes it seems as though it's it's not only just more challenging in the physical, literal world, of course, to have a come up from that place, mm. but even like intergenerationally, like mentally, yes. how do you break out of, of that? And I'm, I'm curious, what are your thoughts on that? And have you, yeah, what, what, what does that bring forward for you when you think about this like intergenerational so wealth I, consciousness? Yeah, I mean, I think that every single person who is coming from a non-affluent background is dealing with the stories, the experiences and the beliefs of their parents and everybody who came before them. And depending on the life that your parents and your grandparents lived, that is either more stuff, more or less to unpack. For me, what has been so inspiring is seeing others and looking for my similarities. And, Mm. you know, they say you've got to see it to be able to believe it and actually for yourself is I've got to believe it before I see it however a big part of my mission and my desire to do what it is that I do is that I want to be the model you know I'm a black woman I'm a single mom I've got three children and I have built a multiple seven-figure brand so for all of the other black girls black women so many black women or women of color who come into my world say the reason that I came into your world is that up until I saw you I didn't see anybody else who looked like me doing what you're doing and that in and of itself along with all of the the work to catch yourself when you're saying I can't has is 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 so inspiring and lets people know that it is possible. So what I was able to do, because my background, I was fostered from the age of three months old, and we were kind of the least affluent um, people within my group. We lived in a two-bedroom bungalow. I mean, we just didn't have a lot of money, a lot of love, but not a lot of money. But seeing other women... I think the first, you know, seeing another woman do ten thousand pound months, that was interesting to me. It was like, <laughs> hmm, if she can do it, I can do it. And I feel very grateful that the way that I was brought up with my foster parents, whenever I said, "Can I do this?" Even though we didn't have the money, I remember I played the cello. How did we do it? My mum got me a grant. I played the flute. How did we do it? My mum got us a grant. It was never no. It was, okay, why not? And so I grew up, what was passed down to me was this sense of, well, why not? Why can't I do it? Now, again, if you've grown up where you've been told you can't, you're not good enough, you're not worthy, there's more work to do but do I believe that it's possible absolutely yeah yes it's such an important piece that I think is very often missing from the conversation around um yeah these inherited belief systems this like intergenerational trauma cultural trauma um and how we're all kind of working with these different um contexts yeah Yeah, exactly. Context. Mm. That's the right word for it. And how much representation matters, because Mm. if you don't have a model for it in your reality, and at least I'll speak for myself, it's very difficult to strive to map your way through this world, especially if you're doing something a little different, you know, Mm. like my job, I imagine your job was not on the list of jobs when we were in school. (laughs) It wasn't like, yeah, you could do that. So if you're doing something off the beaten track it's really at least for me has been so invaluable to have people modeling even just a little bit similar to what it is that um that I really desire to do so we're talking about money and and you know this kind of idea of supporting people through the journey of success Mm -hmm. and I love your definition it's not just the freedom financially but it's also that emotional component um there is a little bit of a shadow to this side of the coaching industry. I'm curious if you've noticed that. Um, I feel you, you're the first, are you the first? 
I believe, no, you're the second. I've only had one other business coach on and both the business coaches or success coaches, people that work in this industry I've had on because you guys do it with such integrity. Mm -hmm. And I really love the way you do it. But I also see, and the same in my industry, hey, like I'm sex on relationships, there's tons of shadow, <laughs> a lot. Um, but I'm curious if you see it in your industry, the shadow side of that coaching and and what is that? What do you see? Well, before, before I answer that, I'm curious about the habits and the practices that you see other business coaches displaying that make you feel uncomfortable. It's more about my clients will come to me mm -hmm. after having worked with someone and it's kind of the damage that we're trying to repair mm -hmm. that I see where it's um, a lot of putting the cart before the horse, I would say, like a really big focus on um, money, like very like money worship in a way. Okay. Um, and that's great. I think that's important. But the part that you were talking about, the emotional freedom, mm -hmm. also recognizing people's different levels of complex trauma yeah. um, and how that affects how they can show up to the conversation, how that impacts, how they're able to express or share in the world and like maybe kind of running to steps ahead and feeling very pushed more of that like motivational, just do it attitude versus like, oh, okay, like let's work with what's inhibiting you. Yeah. Let's honor um, the trauma you've experienced and how that might be making it more challenging for you to to show up in these spaces like and kind of using it as a spiritual curriculum mm. um, of like okay you want this thing that's really beautiful and you're feeling all of this stuff come up around it okay like let's work with that versus just like pushing if that yeah. makes sense I see a lot of the pushing and kind of skipping of um, and the other thing I see a lot of is just yeah, just focus on the money and like and and the and the and the money is a conversation is a really important one, especially as we're talking about for women and particularly as you say, like black women, women of color, like this is important. We deserve to be making money. And I just see a lot of going around the other stuff. I don't know if you if you notice that or not. I think that the problem that I see, and rather than speaking specifically about other coaches. I would love to yeah. talk about it from the perspective of when we only focus on the money. What we yes. have seen so many times, like in the industry, outside of the industry, celebrities, is people who have wild, wild, wild amounts of money and people thinking that they should be happy. And instead of them being happy, they are off drinking excessively, drugs mm. excessively, and in the worst case scenarios, committing suicide. And yeah. the reason that that happens is because we have this imbalance and people think that the gateway to, people think that choice equals happiness and it doesn't. And people think that the gateway to happiness is financial freedom through the choice that it gives you. And it leaves people feeling like, what the heck have I done wrong when I have either pushed my way to achieving all of this success and I feel empty? Or what is it that I'm doing wrong that I can't seem to get beyond the start line? And if I just focus on the money, if I just focus on the money, if I just raise my prizes, if I just do this program, if I just do that program, if I just do that, that is it feeds into what culturally, at least us in the West, are being told all of the time, if you have more, if you have more, if you have more, it's going to fill you up. It's going to fill you up. And when you're full, you're going to be happy. What I believe and teach is that more gets to be beautiful. Like there is nothing wrong with more. I believe that it is we are programmed as human beings to be continually evolving and for some of us what living into our fullest potential means is after we have received on one level it's like okay what's the next level of receiving that's available for me and the big thing here is when you do the emotional work when you do the inner work when you know who you are and when you're coming from this place of, I am whole and complete and enough, 
And everything that I choose for myself is on top of that wholeness, completeness and enoughness. It's a completely yeah. different experience of life. And I think that <laughs> too many Say that again. people don't understand what is required to do to, to feel full and whole and complete. And I think that the other the other thing that I'm very passionate about is that it doesn't have to be either or. It's not I focus on the inner work um, because that's more important than the financial freedom. And it's not I focus on the financial freedom because that's more important than the inner work. I think that when you're really looking at empowering the next generation of wealthy, conscious leaders, you're doing both of those. You're doing both pieces of work at the same time. And that's what's yes. so exciting to me. And I think that we don't see that enough. And that's why we see people being like, what's wrong with me? And I'm like, nothing's wrong with yeah. you. Nothing's wrong yes. with you. Yeah. Yes. Say it. Thank mm. you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I really, really appreciate that perspective for people who are listening. Um, what should they look for in a business coach? Because mentorship is so important and, yeah. um, you know, we deserve guidance, especially when it comes to busting through these blocks and creating more value and more yeah. service in the world and like adding our contribution. And, and as we're saying, getting past the blocks this, that stop us from yeah. giving our gifts, not only receiving, but giving, um, what should people look for in a coach, would you say? I think it's really important to, first of all, distinguish between uh, you've got your coaches, you've got your mentors, and then you've got your consultants. And for somebody mm. like me, I like to incorporate all three of those areas into my support. But some people are very traditional coaches. And what that means is that they are going to ask you, the, the, the great ones are going to ask you really, really powerful questions to help you unlock the answers that are within you. And at a certain mm. level of your development and a certain level of your business, actually, all you might want is a coach who's going to ask you and kind of get underneath things. And I think that that is mm. great. Then you have your mentors, and these are people who have done what you've done in the way that you would like to do it. And so whenever mm. you ask them a question, they're going to say, in my experience, this is what I did. This is what I learned. Da -da 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 -da. They're not going to tell you necessarily you need to do it like this, but they're going to share with you their experience. And from that, you're going to have a think and you're going to say, mm, is this in alignment with how I want to do it or how would I do this differently? And I think that there is such, when you have an experienced mentor, they have many, 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 many different experiences. So when somebody comes to work with me, it's not that I've only done this type of launch. It's I've done 10 different types of launches and I'm going to be able to share all of my experiences across all of those. And then you're going to be able to pick what you want. And then mm. at the beginning of your business often, or when you have a very specific um, strategic or tactical issue that you want to overcome, then sometimes it is great to have a consultant. And a consultant is just going to tell you what to do. Okay, you've got this number of numbers, you've got this, this is what you should do. And I think what's interesting is this, that many people, particularly in the beginning stages of their business, what they really want is a consultant. But what they end up doing is hiring a coach and when the coach says, I don't, what do you think? They're like, I don't know what to think because I don't have any experience. I've never done this before. And so often programs and courses act as your consultants and they are really powerful things to invest in at the beginning stages of your business. I mean, I still invest in um, I still invest in courses now. It's just that my team will go through them for me and they will implement the stuff and, and that's how we continue to grow. Um, and then coaches and mentors, when you're looking to when you're looking to develop your own ideas and you want to have that kind of back and forth, coaches and mentors. But I think picking people that appear to have done things in the way that you desire to do them is really really 
helpful. I think that looking at people's websites, looking at the testimonials, realizing that people only ever showcase their best testimonials. So there's always going to be a range (laughs) of people who have been successful and have not been successful. Um, But what do the testimonials say about the people? And for me, it's feeling like, how do you feel when you're in the energy of that coach or mentor? You know, one of my most recent investments was a six-figure investment with an energy coach because mm. the way that I felt when I was there, I witnessed her, actually, first of all, and I witnessed her manage her emotions in quite a remarkable way. And because of the work that I do, I'm like, okay, I love the idea of being in that space and I want to calibrate to that level of mastery when it comes to managing my emotions so that was the first thing and then the second thing was Mm. I love how I feel when I'm with this person and I want to feel like Mm. that more in my life so that's also a great reason for me to invest in an energy coach if it was a money coach I'd be looking at their results and I'd be looking at you know what are they saying (laughs) and if it was a strategic coach and I'm like how are they running their business? What am I observing and, and what looks appealing? So um, mm. I hope that's helpful. <laughs> oh, super helpful. I think what you're highlighting here is getting really clear on what are you actually looking for, which I think can be the tricky thing. So for anyone listening who is in a service-based business, like super useful, mm. especially I love those different tiers. I've never heard it broken down like that. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I often say to clients like, people usually don't hire you for what you say you do. They hire you for what they see you do or feel in your instance. Like it's that embodiment um, of where you're at and like don't hire someone to help you climb Everest if they've never climbed Everest. (laughs) Like that's that's going to be tricky. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I think the other thing that I've learned, you know, I've been in business, it'll be my 10th year next year. I've had a coach. I've had multiple coaches and mentors for the whole time I've been in business, past six months. And what I really trust now, more than what I did in the beginning, is that I won't always get what I thought I needed from a coach. I won't always get what I thought I wanted from a coach, but I will always get what I needed, you know? Mm. And really trusting that has been very important for my growth and evolution. Ooh, ain't that the truth about mm. most personal development work? Because yes. like the frame of mind that we enter into and we're like, I want this thing mm. is very often coming from the wound or the, or the challenge. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah, very often we don't necessarily get what we want, but we do. It's always valuable. Um, you, you talk a lot about, you know, your podcast is called Infinite Receiving for those mm. listening who want to want to tune in. Um, can you tell us a little bit about the word receiving? It can have a lot of charge, particularly for women around, mm. you know, what does that word mean to you, receiving? Mm. It means opening myself up. I think that a lot of the a lot of what I feel very excited about when it comes to this subject is that for the beginning stages of my career, I used to get, it's like, I'm going to get this target. I'm going to hit that deadline. Like I was very much in my yang energy and pushing, forcing, making stuff happen. And that served me very, very well. And then I got to Mm -hmm. a stage where it was like, the level of growth that I was designed, desiring to experience, there wasn't enough push left in me in order to force it to happen in the way that I had done it up until that point. And so I had to start looking at what are the other ways? And this is when masculine and feminine energies were really introduced to me. And I started to really explore what does it mean to be in my feminine? And what it means to be in the feminine is to be in receiving mode, you know, Mm. to be in allowing. And that, even as I say it, is just very, it's like, it's very sexy to me. It's very beautiful. (laughs) And I think, again, for me as a 40 plus year old woman, two years separated, three children, there's a whole other conversation around feminine energy and receiving sexually 
and it's married with the money piece. It's married with the, um, um, you know, how much pleasure can I allow to, how much pleasure can I allow myself to experience? You know, how much can I allow myself to receive financially? How much love can I allow? How much um, sensation can I allow? All of these things are related. And I remember when I released my first money program, one of the things I talked about was this having this awareness that I was cutting myself off from receiving in so many areas. And what was one of the areas that was unlocked? Self-pleasure. You know, it was like, mm. as I allowed myself to receive more pleasure, give myself more pleasure, I also opened myself up to receiving a hell of a lot more money. And so there's just this mm. beautiful, it's opening to me. That's what it really means. Like opening myself up, how much mm. more can I hold and allow mm. and be a conduit for? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Like how good can you stand it? (laughs) It's a real thing too, right? Like we think about exactly as you said with pleasure in the bedroom, it's like for so many of us, it's like things start to feel quote unquote too good, too too intense, too much. We have to like, and like, where do we go when that happens? Do we shut down? Do we push away? Do we numb out? Do we check out? Do we distract? And you're so right. There is so much overlap with pleasure and receiving and money Mm. and also food and any of these like pleasurable relationships that we're in. Mm. Um, Can you talk, you did mention earlier and you've touched it, you've mentioned it here that there's so much overlap between sex and money. Can you speak to that a little more? I think it's just around the shame and the guilt and the being willing to ask for what it is that you want. I think that again, in the West, men have been in control of the money and they've been in control it's been about the women satisfying her husband like when we're looking at very old school patriarchal traditional setups obviously it's there's a lot more choice available now but those it's been the men who have held the purse strings and the men that have needed to be satisfied in bed now as we're empowering ourselves more as women it's like, but am I allowed? Am I allowed to really ask for what it is that I want? What does that mean about me? And am I going to be too much? And the answer is, how can you, you know, part of the teaching that I, um, that I focus on in Infinite Receiving is really understanding that you are creating your, you're at the center of your own existence. And you get to create it. And for me, that's putting you at the center of your world. And that whole world is created by you. How can you be too much? It's a literal impossibility, you know? (laughs) So what my desire is, is for us to expand into our fullness, just opening Mm. ourselves up more and more and more and more. And within that, we then get to choose, where do I want to place my attention? Do I want to place my attention on my money? Do I want to place my attention on my receiving? Do I want to place my attention on joy? And for me, the biggest mastery is allowing ourselves to have, to be able to hold all of those energies and for allow it all to be beautiful, beautifully exquisite. Mm. Yeah. Mm, very tantric yes Mm. yes yes yeah that legacy we live with you talked about you know men holding the purse strings historically Mm. and also that sexuality being so much about pleasing a man I think it's um, easy for us to forget as we evolve out of that and that there's still such a legacy that we're working with and you know like we're still and then I think the the tricky thing is because it's not as overt at least for those of us in the west and obviously not not for everyone for some people it's still very overt in their mm. situations and contexts um this kind of uh this legacy within us then we think like why do i feel this way mm. why don't i feel safe receiving and then we make ourselves wrong for it on top of it all mm. <laughs> um so i think it's a really really beautiful point i loved you talked about putting yourself um, at the center of your own universe and i think what i hear from a lot of creators creatives um 
in, in any field, whether they're coaches or not, is that there's so much noise on Instagram or mm. like spam in our emails and so many people wanting our attention. And then there's this feeling of like, well, you know, why me? Like, I don't have anything to say. Um, and this kind of fear around expression, mm. around being exposed mm. in that process of opening that you're talking about. Um, can you speak a little bit to that fear of like, using your voice on social media? Yeah, for sure. I think that the first, we want to use our voices on social media. Like most people, when I ask the question, do you want to be seen as one of the great people in your industry? Do you want to be seen as the go-to person in your industry? Everybody goes, yeah, I want that, I want that. And I'm like, okay, cool. So the pre-work to everybody wanting to hear you and comment on your posts and all of that, the pre-work to people seeing you as great is you seeing yourself as great. And everybody mm. goes, mm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not great. And here's, you know, I take people back again to being a baby And, you know, I ask people, when you look at that baby, what do they need to do in order to be great? You know, there is nothing more exquisite than a baby just opening their eyes, looking at you and smiling. It's like there is nothing more exquisite than that. There is nothing more beautiful than being able to pick up a baby that is crying and soothe that child and feel them just melt into you, you know? And Mm. you know what you're holding is greatness. And as we grow older, we're told that you need to prove your external value in order to be great. And if you don't prove that you're great, then you're going to feel bad. So there's the, again, the intrinsic worth that we have to keep coming back to. I was born with 100% and I refuse to accept that I am not, that I'm not worthy. But then you've got your fingerprint, your unique fingerprint. And it's really starting to understand, appreciate, remember that you cannot be replicated There is not one other human being on this planet that can do you. And the biggest issue with finding your voice and using your voice on the internet is that you've forgotten that your unique voice is where the power lies, where the magic is. And what you start to do is assimilate to the biggest voices in the industry, the people that look like they're doing well. And as you forget yourself, as you try to benefit from the slipstream of the others, you become invisible. At the same time as this kind of constant trying to be more like them, more like them, more like them, what happens is, because of the way the culture is right now, is that the person that you were trying to be like yesterday says one thing that somebody decides is not okay. And then all of a sudden, their house comes tumbling down. And what happens to you? You feel shit scared. Oh my God, I thought everything that they were saying was amazing. And now they're not amazing. Everybody hates them. And and the whole story around the judgment of that person, the fact that they're not worthy, perhaps you've even jumped into the comment thread and started to share your opinion like I've seen. Like, wow. When you see that and you choose to participate in it, that creates so many barriers for you showing up in your truth because the fear of that you becoming that person is high, especially when you've been trying to be that person. And so Mm -hmm. for me, this is a very, very layered conversation because you have everything that is going on culturally that you are not in control of 
However, if you if it's true that you are at the center of your own universe, your work is to know who you are. Your work is to know your values and your work is to know your purpose. You know, mm. when I think about the bigger vision that I have for infinite receiving and imagining a world full of wealthy, conscious leaders who desire to create massive impact, I'm willing to take a stand for it, you know? Mm-hmm. And I know that mm-hmm. I'm not always going to get it right. I know that I'm going to sometimes say the wrong thing. I know that I'm going to antagonize some people, but I'm willing to take the stand for the bigger mission and the bigger vision, you know? Yes. And yes, I get to yes, trust yes. That. So, oh. Yes, so much goodness there. Yeah, it's so beautiful. I loved how you were talking about the slipstream and the whole process people go through of trying to homogenize their uniqueness to fit into the shouldness and how that literally strangles your expression. Mm. And then the deepest fear we all have, right, as social mammals Mm. is public humiliation. And that's the thing that stops us and then it happens. And I think what I'll often say to clients is like, well, what's your relationship with repair? Because if you don't have a relationship with repair, then that does look really, really scary. If if it feels like there's no way back, but if you have a really deep relationship with repair, whether it's, you know, starting with yourself, starting with your loved ones Mm -hmm. that you can show up and say, hey, I fucked up. Mm -hmm. Like I made a mistake. I said the wrong thing. I did the wrong thing. And I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. And here's what I see. And here's what I learned. And here's what I'm going to do going forward. And I want to hear from you like your feedback, if you do that in your life mm. and you practice that, then you will, I think, be a little less um, terrified at the idea of, you know, saying or doing the wrong thing in the online world. I think that the fear is going to be there, but also what's your relationship with fear? What's your relationship like with yeah. the fear? What's your relationship with fear? Are you willing to dance with it anyway? Yeah. And criticism just sucks, but it's going to happen. You know, the more I have grown my own brand and I say this to clients, like the more I have had people that don't like what I have to say or have not, not agreed with, with where I'm at, it's just part of the puzzle. And like, it doesn't feel good. You know, it feels much better for everyone to like you yeah. and agree with you, but <laughs> like, and I had the same reckoning where I had to for myself as well, say, and exactly what you said. And I think that's a really important point. Am I willing to be disliked? Mm-hmm for this mission Mm. am i willing to because very often we are saying things that are uncomfortable like you know money sex success Mm. um integrating pain like these aren't exactly like typical run-of-the-mill conversations that we're we're choosing to have they're uncomfortable for a reason so it's gonna bring stuff up and yeah we have to be deep enough connected to our why such that we as you say are willing to experience the experiences that are par for the course um how, how do you deal with with criticism um i think that can be a really tough thing for people whether it's in life or online in business you know i think that can be hard yeah I think that I've got better at dealing with criticism and you're absolutely right. I think the more people that you invite into your world, you increase, it's just the law of averages. You increase the number of eyeballs, you increase the, people, the number of people that there are to be offended increases. So you're going to offend people. <laughs> um, and I think that the other thing is, is that when you are used to having relationships with, so I remember once, I have a, I I still have it, it's kind of winding down, but a container called the Freedom Experience. And I had 17 women in there that I worked with for nine months, like one-on-one. We had the most incredible relationship. Um, They were all getting amazing results. And I decided that I was going to open up the container and I was going to bring new people in. And I could have I could have integrated the new people with the established people in a much more effective way than what I did. And because I didn't, what I had was all of these people that I loved and all of these people that loved me who suddenly felt like less seen. They felt less heard. Mm. They felt less supported because I was increasing the pool. And so there was a... um, like I suppose it was the equivalent of an intervention and we all had to have this like Mm. zoom call together where 
my clients expressed why they were upset to me. This was like somebody like coming in, grabbing my heart, ripping it out and just like throwing it over their shoulder. And what I really learned from that experience was that it's really important to hear people. And I didn't diminish their feelings. I really, really heard what they said. And I also remained the leader. So one of the requests that they had had was to set up a new Facebook group and the established group go into the new Facebook group and I be in the new Facebook group. And what I had to say was, whilst you're very entitled to set up a new group, I'm still here for you. I'm still going to answer all of your questions. You still all have your one-to-ones with me, which is not something that the new people had. Like, this is the space. I'm here in this space. And I will not be giving support across two separate groups. Like, I unfortunately, I'm not available for that. That was a huge thing in my development, to not go into mm. fawning space, to not go into people-pleasing space, to not go into... Um, um, what can I do to make you like me? And what is, yes. what's really interesting is, is that for the people who are still in my world from that container, and there are people who are still in my world years later, the number of them that have reflected to me what a powerful learning experience it was. One, to see me be able to really receive the criticism and hear the criticism and acknowledge the criticism, but Two, also to still remain in my leadership position and say, this is my boundary and this is how it gets to go. And so I think that overall, I've got how I deal with it is like that. I really listen. I listen to where the value is. I listen to where the learning is. I take responsibility where I've made mistakes. So I apologize when I have made, made mistakes. And then I'm also clear on what's mine, what's theirs. And I don't take on theirs, but I own mine. And then we decide on what's going to be the best way forward for the highest good of all. Mm, Yes, so, so beautiful. And there is that nuance, you know, because I think the pendulum can swing. What we see modeled in our reality is either people taking no responsibility, totally shut down on the pedestal or people taking over responsibility, you know, crawling through glass to make people like them and feel quote unquote restored or whatever the hell that means. But this true relationship with restoration and repair that you're talking about that I think takes practice Mm. and, you know, time and presence but is so rewarding and so worthy of our practice because when we do practice repair as you're talking Mm. about it this nuanced thing like oh it's so rich what a gift even just in our personal relationships with our partners and our friends like oh so beautifully expressed thank you thank you for sharing um that story so that we could see a real life example of how that looks uh i do want to get onto sales i know we don't have a Mm. lot of time but I think it's such an important thing. It can be such a tricky thing. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's that like putting pe- putting yourself out there. A lot of people talk about it feeling really sleazy, mm-hmm. especially if they're in a helping profession. What I notice is super interesting is that it's very hard for people to rectify both that uh, I am helping someone, I'm supporting someone, I'm in that role. And also I deserve to receive for that, mm-hmm. which I have my own thoughts about, but I'm really curious Um, on your thoughts on sales and also how to kind of rectify those two pieces if people are experiencing that. I think it's interesting. The first thing I thought of when you said that is, God, I wonder if I'd feel okay, like allowing a brain surgeon to work on my brain for free. Like, (laughs) Right, Right? that would not feel good. I mean, you can't be helping me, but she's going to be helping me. But mm, does that feel good? No. Um, So I think for me, What I realize is that the closer people are to me, the deeper level of transformation that I am able to facilitate. And so you can listen to me on my 10-minute Facebook Lives that I do every day, and you're going to get a level of transformation. You can listen to me on the podcast as a level of transformation. Then there is the come into my world and be able to ask me questions. There's a different level of transformation. There's also a different level of energy 
that I'm putting into that container. Now, what is true is that I can choose to charge or not. And what is also true is that I have a big, big, big vision for not just for myself, but for this world. And so the more I invite people into my world and the deeper that transformation gets to be and the more energy that I pour in, there's a cost attached to that, whether I charge or not. You know, there is a cost attached to that, whether I charge or not. What I have decided is that for the greater good of not just me and my family, but for the mission and the vision, it is important for me to charge for the cost attached to my level of expertise and my level of energy. Like, it's not emotional. It's just the more energy, there's a cost attached. I've decided that I am going to attach a price to that. It doesn't, the price doesn't mean anything. You know, the, the, the amount I charge for my services inherently doesn't mean anything. Whether I charge, whether I charge a million or whether I charge 1p, it just means that's a million, that's 1p, but it doesn't inherently mean anything. The 1P doesn't mean that it's less valuable. The million doesn't mean that it's more valuable. However, culturally, we have decided that 1 million means more and 1P means means less. And that is, that's okay. The value of that when I exchange, a million can buy me more than more than 1P. And I, I get that. And all of that gets to be, it just it just is what it is, what it is. But it doesn't mean anything to doesn't mean anything about my inherent worth and so Mm. we start to when we kind of can get our head around they're just numbers and you get to pick a number you then start to I add in how what is it what's the type of life that you desire to live what's the type of so it starts with you you're at the center of your universe well I desire to live a life where I get to choose where I go on holiday I get to choose where my children go to school I get to choose what I want to eat and when I look at the things that I want to choose there is a certain price tag attached to those things okay so what does this mean this means that as an individual it is my responsibility to um, offer a certain amount of value into the world external value that I get an exchange for. I offer this value into the world, I ask for this money in exchange. This value into the world, this value in exchange. Now, what is true is that I'm going to arbitrarily decide that this is worth this amount. It's worth this amount to me because this is my energy. What's going to happen is some people are going to go, oh my God, that's amazing. That's the best deal ever in the whole entire world. Let me, let me give you my money. Great. That feels like a fair exchange. Other people are going to look at it and go, pardon? That is not <laughs> what I, I do not value that. I am not going to pay that. And you know what you're going to say? Great. Like, it just gets to be as simple as that. Like, it really, really does. Mm-hmm. Some people are going to say yes, some people are going to say no. You get to choose how is it that you desire to live. That's the start. Then you get to think about also what is the value of the transformation to the clients that are coming into my world? You know, this is how much I value my time and energy. This is how much they value knowing how to have 100K months. You know, is it okay for me to charge 10K a month for somebody who wants to learn how to make a hundred thousand a month. Yeah. Is it okay for me to charge 10 K a month for somebody who wants to learn how to do 20 K months? Yeah. You know, is it okay for me to charge 10 K a month for somebody who wants to learn how to, how to make 10 K a month? I mean, it's okay, but you're not going to make a sustainable business out of that because they're not going to learn how to run their business and do all of the other things that they need to do. 
it's all okay yes. but there needs to be a there needs to be a balance and there's there's an understanding that yes. there is a client at every level who is willing to mm-hmm. pay at every level and for me mm-hmm. when I lay it out like that I'm like how can that feel icky it only starts to feel icky when you entangle your own self innate worth with what other people say when they say yes or when they say no Hmm. Yes. And I think what you're highlighting so beautifully is the clarity on the transformation you provide. If you are crystal clear that this is what I provide and this is the skill set I have. And I know that if someone obviously applies themselves, blah, 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 that I can get them there, yeah. that I could provide this transformation. Yeah. As you say, there's such a clarity in you that you're just like, yeah, I can just do this. And if this is what you want at this price and at this level, then Great. done. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I think most people I see that are struggling with this and myself included when I have struggled with this is only when I'm not clear yeah. on the transformation. If I'm unclear, then it's unclear. But if I'm crystal clear or if I'm seeing a client who is crystal clear, yeah. it's crystal clear. As you're saying, it's very simple. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And I think that people, what often people will say is, well, that's okay because you're selling money or that's okay because you're selling business. But mm. as a relationship mm. coach... What's the value that that client, that your dream about client places on saving her relationship? What's the value your dream about client places on having multiple orgasms? And there will be people at the beginning of their um, sexual awakening journey who are like, I mean, that sounds amazing, but I'm not going to. I don't value the expertise and the training enough to spend a thousand pound a month on this service. There will be other women who are much more established in their life, in their journey, in their relationships. And they're like, okay, I'm ready. Where can I, 5k a month? Okay, let's go. You know? And it's mm-hmm. just, there's somebody yes. for every price and your clarity on who the person is also will determine how easy it is for you to attract at that level, at whatever level you're working with. Mm, yeah, beautiful distinction. I'm glad you brought that back because that is it is sometimes like if you look at um, like one of my best girlfriends is an amazing personal trainer and we'll often talk about business and I always thought like, oh, it's it can be a little tricky because her – and it's similar for um, success and, and being a business coach is like the the metrics are really clear. Mm. Like, you know, the body transformation is this, yes. that's it. You know, I went from A to B or like I went from a 5K month to 100K month, mm. like very clear. And so I think that is another thing um, for people in in different styles of coaching to get super clear on as well. Like what are the metrics? Like what's the A to B, Um, which can feel a little trickier, but it's definitely possible. Like you said, like an orgasm is a very clear one, but also sometimes very often your client will tell you what those metrics are. And then you just Um, have to ask them how much do you value that? You know, how Mm -hmm. much do you value saving your relationship? Well, it's priceless. Okay. That's amazing because this offer is six, 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 six a month. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know? Yes. 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 Oh, I'm so, so grateful um, for your time today and just all of the knowledge you shared. I feel really, really lit up and inspired. Um, I want to move into our little final uh, questions that we ask. But before we move into that, uh, where can people find you if they want to connect with you and your work? Yeah, um, my website is Susie, S-U-Z-Y, Ashworth.com. I am hanging out on Instagram, Susie, S-U-Z-Y underscore Ashworth. And then I have a private Telegram group called the Quantum Success Hub, which you can find through my Instagram. So come and play. Love. Come and play, folks. All right. So I'm going to move into a few rapid fire questions. The joke is that this is a tantric process oriented questions. They never end up being rapid fire. We're cool with it. (laughs) Um, So what book do you gift people the most or recommend? Ooh, I mean, I love the big leap by Gay Hendricks. Mm, actually, I haven't read that. That is all about upper Ooh, limits. Okay. And it is all about when you experience whatever level of success and then all of a sudden feel yourself backsliding or sabotaging, why does that happen and how can you stop it happen, happening? Mm. That's a great book. Ooh. Mm. Oh, my God. Next on the <laughs> list for sure. If you could choose your last meal on earth, what would it be? Oh, it's so funny. As you said that, I my childhood meal came up 
and which I would never eat in a million years. Um, so I need to, I'd have Christmas dinner. That's what I'd have. Christmas dinner with oh. all of the trimmings. Nice. What's the most important thing for successful relationships in your opinion? Um, um, I think seeing the other person and respecting what you see. Ooh, yes. No one's ever said that. Love that. Yes. Uh, what is your favorite thing that you own? My car. <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny question, right? It really brings up a straight thing. Love that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, if you could be any animal, what animal would you be? Oh, I would. You know, I think I'd be a manta ray. Ooh, mm. they're so beautiful. You know, they're one of the only animals that are not mammals that pass the mirror test as well. Did you know that? I did not know Maybe that. Maybe you hold a mirror underwater, they recognize themselves and they'll play. Oh, really? Yeah. That's really hilarious. Cool. I feel like whenever I do a personality test, I'm always like the star, the celebrity, the person who needs to be, and then I pick an animal. <laughs> I just think it's a sign of intelligence it's really beautiful and yeah also love love this being the leader it's great are you a Leo it's very Leo I'm a Libran Libran beautiful it was your birthday just recently it's coming coming up up. yeah oh happy birthday all right last one um if there was a universal answering machine Mm -hmm. that everyone in the universe would hear today and you get to leave a message on it Mm -hmm. that everyone else is going to hear what would you say? Faith plus action equals miracles. Boom. <laughs> Mic drop. Thank you so much for being with us, Susie Ashworth, ladies and gentlemen, and more soon. That's it for today, Awakened One. And just a quick thank you from me. Thank you for gifting us with your most precious resource, your time and attention so that we can make this world a more awakened place. And if we're not friends on Instagram yet, then we absolutely should be. So come on over and say hello at Angelica Alana and I'll see you there and see you next week.